to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, you bring a Bible this morning? Okay, go to Romans chapter 12 today. Many of the, the problems I believe in the church in this day and hour is that uh, Christianity has complicated what we're supposed to do as kingdom citizens. They tell you a bunch of rules, a bunch of laws, a bunch of everything else, and get into religious things to a point to where when it's time for you to actually act on the word of God, you don't know what to do because you've had so many different people tell you what to do in that situation, you don't know which one's right for that situation. So you know what we do? Nothing. Because we're confused. We don't know how to do it. We don't know what to do. We don't know if we should do it, if we should not do it. So we just basically hang it up. So I want to simplify some things this morning. Okay. Just listen to what I say and do not read anything into it through your own minds. Amen. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, we all know this scripture talking about the will of God. We know as kingdom citizens, we have to find out what the will of God is. We have to accept the will of God. But notice what we're called to do here. We're, we're called to prove, say prove. We're called to prove the will of God. So once I learn the will of God, I've got to prove the will of God. So we already know that healing's of God, and that's God's will, right? Deliverance is God's will. All these things are God's will. But if we're going to be able to prove them, it takes supernatural power to prove God's will. You just, can't, you just can't do it by walking around with a smile all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. But there has to be power involved for people to be delivered and people to be healed, which is God's perfect will. How many of you know that? Do you know God's perfect will is for you to live in divine health? Yes. Praise God. Well, that's good. All right, go to Mark chapter 16. Say power. Power. Okay, Mark chapter 16, very familiar verse here. Let's start in verse 15. It says that he said unto them, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and what shall happen? They shall recover. Okay, now, now notice what it does not say, and stay with me. It does not say, believers shall pray for the sick, and they will recover. Does it say that? Let's see, some of you getting mad at me already. Give me some time here. I've got a little bit of time left over here. Just relax. Yeah, it doesn't say they that believers that pray for the sick. It says they that lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. See, most of us are out there and we're not doing what we're supposed to do about laying hands on the sick. Number one, because we don't know what to pray when we do that. Uh, we don't know how to pray when we do that. We don't know if we've got the magic prayer that's going to work in that situation and get somebody healed. But he never emphasizes the prayer. He emphasizes the power that you have in your life. For you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So what's he saying about believers here? Believers will lay hands. Now that tells me that there must be something in my hands 
Otherwise, why would he tell me to do that? He'd say, brush by them, shout at them, scream at them, spit on them, do something on them. But he says, they shall lay hands, say lay hands, on the sick, and they shall recover. So when I first got born again, I wasn't really being taught by anybody. I just read the Bible, and for some unknown reason, I believed it. So when I started ministering to people, what I did is I laid hands on people, and the problem was they were recovering. I wasn't saying a magical, mystical prayer. I wasn't saying a long prayer, short prayer. I wasn't saying a big prayer, tall prayer. Because as a believer, all I'm supposed to do is lay hands on the sick and they shall. Now, how many know that's a pretty easy job? My God, that takes all the, the, I should be praying this. I should be saying it in Jesus' name. See, we're taught all these other things. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. Are you following? I'm saying the more we complicate things, the more we don't do things because we think they're too complicated. He simply tells you to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So I'm assuming there must be something in my hands that I lay on people for them to recover. And it has to be coming out of me because it's my hands. So I started thinking, wow, maybe the Bible is true that the Spirit came upon me. I received power. Maybe it's really there. Praise God. So I just started laying hands on people and they started recovering. Now, I'm new. I'm, nobody ever taught me. Nobody ever did anything. But the more I got taught about doing it, the less results I started getting because I started coming up with different ways that I'm supposed to be doing it. And let me tell you, if you're led by the Holy Ghost, you probably don't do things twice the same way in your whole entire life anyway. So, but basically, it says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, look at verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto these believers, he was taken up into heaven, sat at the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, say them. Now notice, them is italicized, right? That means it doesn't really have to go there. Let's read it again. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and can know, know them. We're taking that them out of here. Take that them. Everybody take the them in your hand. Throw it away. There it goes. All right, here we go. Look now. So then after that, the Lord had spoken unto them. He received up into heaven the right hand of the Father, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming the word. So not only working with them, but working with the word. So what word were they confirming? Well, to confirm a word is to make that word believable because it's true. So every word that Jesus ever spoke when he was healing somebody, he spoke a true word, not a hope word, not a wish word, not a, you know, here's a, oh, Father, this person's sick, and you know they're sick, and they're in pain, and you know they're in pain, and we don't like pain, and you don't like pain, and everybody don't like pain, and we're just asking you now to remove the pain so they don't have pain anymore, and then they'll worship you because they don't have pain, and you don't have pain, we don't have pain, and, and before you're done, you're in so much doubt and unbelief, you might as well give up. But if you simply lay your hand on the sick and you can just say, recover, be healed, rise up and walk, go, come, whatever. And notice the power, we're, we're concentrating on the prayer rather than the power. Come on, are you with me? I've been here. I was here for a while. It was all about the prayer. No, it's about the hands. It's about they shall lay hands on the sick. So what's it going to do? It's going to back up or confirm the word of God or the truth of God and assure that that truth. We used to sing a song, whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. His report says I am healed. His report says I am filled. His report says I have victory. His report says I'm free. No, notice, not going to be, but you are. So that's the truth, isn't it? The truth is I am healed today. I may not feel healed, may not look healed, but how many know I'm healed? Yeah. I'm free today. I may not be living free, may not be looking like I'm free, but I'm free because that's what the Bible did for me. It freed me. So when you speak the word in truth and you release the power of God by laying hands on the sick, they re 
cover. All right, go to Luke chapter 13. I mean, I got so confused at one time from listening to so many different preachers tell me what to do that I was going to correct Jesus on how he was ministering. All right, Luke chapter 13. <laughs> Look at verse 10. <laughs> Come on, give me a chance this morning. <laughs> and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together, and she could nowhere lift herself up. So how many know that means she was bent over for 18 years and couldn't straighten up? And Jesus called her and said unto her, Woman, you are free or loosed from thine infirmity. Now, how many know that's the truth? That's the word. He wasn't going to say, you're going to be free sooner or later, or you might be free when I do something. Oh, oh God, if you don't do something here, I'm going to look like a fool. He simply stated the fact that you're already loosed from your infirmity. Now, look at the next verse, verse 13. And he laid his hands on her and immediately... She was made straight and glorified God. Now, is this Jesus? Is this Jesus operating? So what is he doing? He's given her the truth that she has been loose from her infirmity. Then he laid his hand on her. I'm guessing he did that because he might have had something on the inside of him, the power of God and the Spirit of God. And immediately, say immediately, immediately. she was healed. All right, look at verse 14. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, my goodness sakes, and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work, in them therefore come and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord then answered them and said, you're a hypocrite. I mean, you know, he was welcoming all the churches for sure. Does not each one of us on the Sabbath loose the ox or the ass from the stall and lead them away to watering? Now watch what he says. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound these 18 years be loosed on the Sabbath day. Now notice, he doesn't deal with the problem. He doesn't deal with the prayer. He doesn't deal with a religious prayer. He deals with rights. Amen. When you deal with kingdom, you're dealing with rights. In other words, this woman has a right for 18 years now to be healed because she's a daughter of Abraham, which makes her a kingdom citizen, which means she should be healed because we've already healed her in the kingdom. So he said, ought not she be healed? Lay hands on her, and she was immediately. God always deals with rights. He doesn't deal with wants, right. needs, how bad they're hurting, how good they're hurting. He deals with rights. He's a judge. He's a king. You're not going to be able to sympathize your way into a healing for someone. And how many know we do it? I've done it already. Oh, Lord, you know how good they are. And in church, they've just been doing everything in the church. They deserve to have this healing, Lord. You know that, and I do that. And you're supposed to be a merciful, wonderful. What am I I'm trying to manipulate God. No, you go with the rights. Lord, you said, by his stripes, you're healed. Those are the rights, praise God. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Release the presence of God and lay hands on them. There's a lot of people I lay hands on say nothing, and they get healed. But those are people, oh, here we go. I hate it when he does this. Those are people who aren't already Christians. Because Christians already got it figured out how they're going to get healed. And most of the things they've been taught don't get you healed anyway. It doesn't do it by working bingo every Wednesday night. See, it doesn't do by what you do. 
It does it because you have a legal right. You have right to be healed and walk in divine health because I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God and that citizenship belongs to me and it's mine, praise God. You should prosper. You should prosper. If you're not prospering, I don't know what you're doing to stop it. You're a kingdom citizen. You can't help to prosper unless you mess up somewhere along the line because the blessings of God chase you down. See, some of you all are chasing it when it should be chasing you. Come on, are you following me? Yeah, it should be chasing you. You don't have to worry about money when you walk in a kingdom and you know your legal rights and you know what, whatever. Praise God. The, the, all these things shall be added unto you. And sooner or later, well, I tithe for a week. Well, give it a little time. Yeah, give it a, maybe another day or two. But no, it's not an immediate thing. It's a basic, you're sowing in, you're sowing in. I mean, you, know how you go out today and you plant a seed in the ground. Don't run out tomorrow and expect to get fruit from it. No, you sow and you water and you reap and you sow. But people want to sow for three weeks and then say, well, this ain't working and not sow anymore. This happens in tithing all the time, praise God. I've been tithing for 35 years and I'm so dang glad I obeyed him the first time he told me to do it. Even though I didn't know what I was doing, I still did it. And it just keeps working out, keeps working out, keeps working out. The blessings come, the money comes, this comes, that comes, the opportunity comes. He tells you what to do and everything works out, praise God. And it's supposed to work out. Christianity's got the mindset it's supposed to be so tough and so hard to be a Christian. The road is hard and rough, and no, it's not rough and hard. If you just follow the kingdom rules and obey the laws, it's easy, praise God. It's a life of peace. It's a life of joy. It's a life of happiness. Until we confuse it or add stuff to it, praise God, it's not that way at all. It's very simple. We just obey the word of God. We find out our rights, and we enforce those rights. So here's Jesus saying, hey, you ought to be healed. You ought to not be like this. How many of you know she said, What? What? He said, no, you'll not be that because you're a daughter of Abraham. See, you're in the line with all the benefits and all the stuff, praise God. So he laid hands on her. Say, laid hands on her. Yes. And notice she straightened up, didn't she? Yes. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. I want to uncomplicate things for you today so you start doing what you know you should be doing and don't do it complicated. All right, Luke chapter 4, look at verse 40. And when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he said a long prayer for them. And he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. Hallelujah. Now, how many know this was a whole city it's talking about here? A whole city came out to Jesus. Thank God he didn't pray a four-minute prayer over each one because he'd still be in that city praying for the last five people. Well, he went down the line. It's like here, you know, when we lay hands on people, I lay hands on people and some of them fall back and fly down the spirit. And I don't say anything. I just lay hands. Why? Because I know there's something in me that flows out of my hands Every part of the body. Sometimes you can just, I remember that the first time I got invited during COVID to go down and play basketball with these guys down there because they only had nine guys that would come out in COVID and play basketball and they needed somebody and they knew I would do it. It wasn't because of my stellar jumping, my tremendous speed. It was because they needed a guy. Are you following me? So I went down there and started playing and got to know some of the guys. The one guy, every time we'd play, it'd be the same thing. 
he'd get mad. And every time he'd get mad, he'd scream and holler, and then he'd walk off the court. Well, then we got nine guys. So everybody's begging him to come back on the court, to get on the court, to play basketball. So I just got fed up. So one time he got mad, started walking off the court. I ran up behind him, I grabbed him, and I just gave him the biggest hug and wouldn't let him go in the world. Just hugged him. Hugged him. Closed my eyes. I know if he was going to hit me or not. And I left him go, and he stepped back, and he said, my God, I feel pretty good now. Let's play ball. And then he came to me the next time, and he said, you know, something happened to me. When you, I said, well, I'm glad it happened, because we need 10 guys. This was... This was a miracle we needed right now because we were all there and we were playing and everything. But what was it? It was simply the touch and presence of God that hit somebody's life that drove something off of their mind that was hanging on there and a routine that they do every time. I mean, you can get in bad routines. So it took care of them. But what was it? It wasn't anything special. It's what God has given me, which is the anointing and the power of God, the spirit of God that lives on the inside of me, and the touch someone. Every time you don't understand, every time you touch someone, Virtue can come out of you. Virtue can flow out of you. Person can get touched. Person can get set free. Person can get healed. Person can, you don't know and you may never know. But you'll never happen unless you believe. See, these signs shall follow them, not that pray, but them that believe. Well, I just don't believe anything's in me and comes out. Well, then don't worry about it. Guarantee you. Don't hug somebody like that then that's bad because you probably get punched in the nose. See, we've got to believe this stuff that's in the Word. And it already tells you that you are the temple of the living God. Already tells you the Spirit of God lives in you. Already says you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Already says the kingdom of God is in power. It already says the kingdom of God comes, it will bring power to you. It already says the anointing of God is on the inside of you. All these things are, but well, we read these scriptures, but we, but you no, know, it follows believers, say believers. So if you believe you have something, you'll be conscious. Now, you, you can't go up and hug everybody. That's for you people. My people are better than that. That's for you people who will be watching this later on. They know better than that. But you don't know. You don't, you don't hug everybody. You, I mean, our children were healed many times by a simple touch. See, I don't, I'm not against doctors, but I'd rather not go. I'd rather not have my kids go. I know what they're going to do. Going to give them a drug. I don't think drugs are good for me, much less for my kids. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do what the Bible says when we were younger. I went in the room and I laid hands on the sick and walked out believing, not hoping. At first it was hoping. I mean, no one is your kid. It's a serious thing, ain't it? You walk in there, they got 101 temperatures. You say, thank you, Jesus. And you lay hands on them, you leave, and you go out and sit in the living room, and the devil's saying, they're going to die. You should have took them to the doctor. It's over for you. It's getting worse and worse. It's jumping on your other kid right now. It's, I mean, these thoughts, I mean, they, I don't know. He's like got a machine gun of thoughts. <laughs> just attacking your mind from all different directions. But there came a day when we had to just decide we were, that's it, the Bible's either true or it's not. So we laid hands on them, we walked out, and that was it, and we ignored them and turned the TV real loud and tried to stay occupied. How many of you know you got to occupy your mind sometimes because it's going to... And all at once, one time it worketh. And if it worketh one time, he's in trouble because you know it'll worketh again. And again, and again, and again. So we laid hands on them. We laid hands on them. We laid hands on them. We, ignored, we laid hands on them. They didn't go to the doctor much. They went to the doctor. One time they had to, uh, and, and you've got to be careful because one time we, Josh was having uh, hives. Remember that? Having bumps all over his body. And we'd pray for him, and the next morning he'd get up and wouldn't have any hives. I said, well, that's okay. By the next night, guess what? Hives again. I said, what is this? Is this a reoccurring hive disease or something that I had never dealt with before? So finally we checked and checked, and, and Becky woke up the next morning and said, I know what it is. We're giving them new vitamins, and it's causing him to have hives. And, you know, we quit the vitamins, and he never had another hive the whole darn time. But what we were doing, we were causing something 
then getting it healed, then recausing it. I mean, that can wear you out and get it healed. And the devil's just sitting there going, man, are they stupid? <laughs> but we didn't know that it would affect them, see, that way. So we just stopped the vitamin and that was it. So praise God. If it doesn't work, it doesn't mean. And a lot of times if it doesn't work, it's not because you don't have the power to lay hands on somebody. It's because they are not ready to receive the anointing of God and they are repelling the anointing. Look at that. Look at Mark 6. I'll show it to you. Living color. All right, Mark chapter 6, start in verse 1. And Jesus went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his, by his, by his? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Josie and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were all offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not with honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could, he could there do no mighty work. It don't say he wouldn't do it. He didn't get mad and say, Well, if that's the way you guys are going to act. I just ain't going to heal anybody. Let that be a good lesson to you. No, it said he could there. He could not do any mighty work. So what did he do? He laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and he did what? Healed them. So here he is. He wanted to do a lot there. How many know he wanted to do a bunch there? But because of unbelief, Jesus was not able to do what the power would do. If you think it's going to work for you every single time when you're dealing with unbelief, it's not going to work. As a matter of fact, if you run into unbelief, don't even bother to lay your hands on no man suddenly. Are you following me? Uh, I'm going to lay hands on you. You're going to be healed. Well, I don't believe in that. That's never going to happen. Why would that make any difference? Then don't waste your anointing on it. Don't waste your time on it. So here's Jesus. All he can do is heal a few sick folk. And how did he do it? He laid hands on them. Look at verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Say unbelief. So what did we do for unbelief? It says, and he went around about the villages doing what? Teaching. See, teaching eliminates your unbelief. Good teaching. Some of it enhances it. Yeah, it takes care of your unbelief. When somebody preaches the word as the word is, it'll eliminate your unbelief. It'll take it out. Because you start believing what you hear and unbelief has to go. You can't be unbelieving believing. See, it's like, uh, like light and dark. Light comes in, dark goes. That's the way it is. So what do we do? We teach here. Why do we teach you? To make sure we rid you of all unbelief that we can possibly rid you out of. Why is that? So you can receive everything that God has for you, and you can operate in the things of God, and you can lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. All right, go up to Mark chapter 7. Just one chapter. Mark chapter 7, look at verse 32. And they brought unto Jesus one that was deaf, and had an impediment in his speech, and they besought him to pray for these people. Notice, now you find people coming to Jesus not for prayer. Come on now. Not for prayer, but so he would lay his... Has anyone ever come up to you and say, lay your hands on me? No, they all come up to you and say what? I need prayer. 
give me prayer. I need prayer. I got to have some prayer. But here it is here. These people understood that Jesus had something on the inside of them, and it was flowing out of his hand, and he was setting people free. So they begged him to come lay his hands on them. They didn't care if he prayed or not. Just get your hand on me because you got something, and it's going to do something good for me. And in this day and age, nobody comes to a person who claims to be a Christian and asks them to put hands on. They all want you to say a little prayer for them. Say a little prayer for me. And once again, there's nothing wrong with prayer. My gosh. You preach one side, you get in trouble on the other side. But it's not that way. I'm just showing you how Jesus operated and what Jesus did. He laid hands. Now look, notice that, verse 33. And he took him aside from the multitude, and he put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and went into a long prayer that said, Be opened. That was it. It's the only prayer he did. Now notice this. He took his finger. He didn't stick it in their eyeball. He didn't stick it on their head. He didn't stick it on their side. Where did he stick it? Why? Because the guy was deaf. So what did he do? He just took the power and he localized it. Come on. If you've got cancer in your chest, they're not going to shoot radiation in your derriere. See, even the world knows this. My God, even the world knows this. You got radiation up here, they hit you with radiation here. You got, you got cancer down here, they hit it down. You don't have cancer down here and they hit you up here. But we don't understand that the power that we have on the inside of us can be directed. And then he, he had a problem speaking, so he spit and touched his tongue. Now, how many know you probably go to jail for that today? I don't know what the rules are or anything. But you do know. So apparently, Jesus believed he had power even in his spit or he wouldn't do that are you following me so so he already knew that so that's the way he operated that's what he did he did it to another guy to, to where he basically did it for the person's eyes he touched his eyes and said can you see and the guy said well everybody looks like a tree so he took his fingers and put them in his eye again why doubled another treatment he knew where the treatment was coming from. It's not that his prayer be opened wasn't, wasn't honored or anything. He knew it was going to work, and he ministered again to the same spot with the same power that went out of him, through his arm, up into the person, and hit him in the eyeballs. And the guy said, oh, I can see, I can see, I can see. And then, of course, everybody got mad at him again. See, you won't have any problem in your Christian walk if you don't have any results. Don't worry about it. If you don't get anybody healed, delivered, or get, everybody will love you and run around, hug you and everything. But boy, you start operating signs, wonder, miracles, you can make people mad before it's over with. Because some people aren't going to be able to get the miracle because they're so steep in unbelief and religiosity that they can't get it. And they don't want to center the word of God long enough. Oh, now I'm being mean. Not good. I stepped in a Latasha anointing. Let me get over here someplace. Give me a little bit. Rub that on me. Yeah, out there in unbelief, and they want some kind of miracle cure, you know, and I'm going to be healed or whatever. No, get under the word of God. Get rid of a little unbelief. Start believing there's power of God around and things are happening and going on. You've got to be under the word of God. I'm telling you what, that's what keeps you. You've got to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life, and the issues of life are already in your heart, but they're not being flowed for some reason because you're not in the word of God that opens them up, praise God. When you're opened up and you know the power of God's in you and you can feel the power, I mean, as soon as we started that first song this morning, I thought that was the dumbest song I ever picked out because we had a party last night. We had to have a rock and roll. And as soon as we started, the power of God just flowed into this place. I said, man, there I go thinking again. 
No, it was a perfect psalm for the perfect time. It took everybody back with their mindset to where it needed to be on him and what he does and what he did for us and everything else. So as Jesus operated, and, you know, we're supposed to operate as he does. As the Father has sent me, I send you. So if I want to operate like anybody, uh, I mean, it's fine if I watch Benny Hinn, but I've never been told to throw my coat at someone. So I'm not going to do that just because it works for him. Well, it works for him. No. Sometimes God has me lick my finger and put it on someone's forehead. Why? I don't know if it, you know, water and picks up the anointing. Well, I guess if you lick your finger and stuck it in a socket, you get some results. <laughs> Any volunteers for show and tell here? Anybody want to go over here? Stick it in. Ahead, Tasha? Tasha, you want to? Oh, no, thanks. <laughs> You've done it to me already. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so notice how Jesus is operating again. He's using his fingers. He's using his hands. He's putting it on people. He's speaking the truth. Praise God, and it's working. Go to Mark chapter 8. All right, look at verse 22. And he came to Bethsaida, and they bring him a blind man unto him, and they besought him to pray for that guy so that his eyes would be open. No, besought him to touch him now these people are i mean all these people are they're catching on they're saying whatever he lays hands on gets healed so when they told him to come they wanted him to lay hands on them they never even asked him to pray jesus might have spoke the truth that was going to be confirmed by the anointing which was in him but most of the time they never even asked for that all right look at verse 23 and he took the blind man by the hand let him out of town and when he had spit on his eyes see it's twice now praise god Next time they're going to say, please come and pray for my brother and spit on him. <laughs> no, it never went that far, praise God. It spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him. He said him what he saw, verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Now, there's times when, when you minister to people and they want hands laid on and you lay hands on, you can actually feel the power of God flowing out of the inside of you. That's the time if you check with them and they're not completely healed to do another blast. But if you lay hands on them and it's all coming back at you, it's time to move on. See, and I'm not saying you feel it every time. I'm saying sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. But you've got to believe that you have it either time. I mean, no, we don't live by feelings. Right. We live by faith, don't we? So we live by the word of God that says that we have the power of God on the inside of us. So we're going to lay our hands on people, and sometimes it flows out of us. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? Notice what she did. She didn't even touch Jesus. She touched the hem of his and people say, well, that's because the ham has a mystical thing. No, it's because Jesus was wearing it. You can put it on anybody else you want to put it on, and it probably wouldn't have worked at all. But it was on Jesus. What was in him got into his clothes. Come on, once it got into his clothes, anybody who even touched his clothes got healed. So she looked for the hem of the garment. She, and he said, and who touched me? And he's in a crowd. He's getting pushed and shoved and grabbed by everybody. He says, who, who touched me? And they said, what are you, crazy? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who's touched me? He said, no, I felt virtue. I felt somebody draw on what I had that went out of me, and it touched somebody else. And, of course, the woman said, well, if he knows that much, he's probably going to know it's me. I might as well just confess. And he said it was me. So what happened there? He just the hem of the garment. He wore the hem of the garment. If you read Acts, Paul, the Bible, you say that Paul 
took aprons and handkerchiefs that he wore while he was working and gave them to people and they got healed and devils cried out and ran away from them when he put his apron there. Now I know in the church and that's fine if you want to get your hanky and you want to put your hand on and release the anointing on it, that's fine. But notice he was working in his apron and handkerchief. So it had more than just a prayer over it. It had some sweat on it. It had some of him on it. It had part of him. And when it got onto his clothes, there was enough anointing in that. Come on, even in the Old Testament when the prophet I mean, we can go a lot of places with this if you want to. Yeah, there's a dead man there, and they throw the, throw the prophet in, and he's got the bones jump up and start running around all over the place. I mean, you know, that would have been a sight. That'd make you a believer in a hurry, wouldn't it? Had he raised some doubt and unbelief, for sure. Yeah, the guy ran up because there's enough power in his bones, say, in his bones. So if there must be stuff in his bones, then there must be stuff in my bones. There must be something in my flesh, must be something in my bones, must be something. And that's the same scripture that says that the spirit within you will quicken. You look that up, it says make alive or heal your mortal body. So the healing that you need is already in you and the power to receive it is already in you. Because when you believe in it, it flows out into every part of your body from your fingers to your toes to everything else. And it's able to heal your own body, praise God. That's the power of God. We underestimate the power of God. We're quick to talk about the devil all the time and what he's doing, but my God, you've got some power on the inside of you that we're not aware of, including me. I'm aware of some of it, but I know it's got to increase, praise God. The Bible says magnify the Lord. That means make him bigger. And he's not going to get any bigger, but in your mind, you need to magnify him and make him bigger in your mind. So you know that we have, and I mean, there's going to come a day, I've been promised by God, and he never lies, there's going to be a generation that walks up and just walks in the simple power of God, not nothing flashy, not something people are going to come, you're going to lay hands on them, they're going to be healed, they're going to get touched, demons are going to cry out, they're going to scream. The Bible says even when, while they preached the gospel, the Holy Ghost started falling on people. And we preach the gospel here, and somebody starts laughing a little bit here and getting a little bit there, and people said, I'm so disrespectful. <laughs> He's preaching the gospel. These people are interrupting him at the same time. No, good. Somebody should be interrupted, praise God. If the Holy Ghost moves on you, go with it, praise God. You want to laugh during the whole sermon? Go ahead. You want to cry? Go ahead. Hallelujah. You want to attack me? Get thrown out the back door. We ain't going that far, praise God. <laughs> That's not the anointing there, so you're going to get thrown out. <laughs> Hallelujah, we're going to get rid of you there. But yeah, the Spirit of God will start moving on you and on the inside of you while you're sitting there and while you're, while you're doing something, and the Word of God will hit you, and the Spirit of God fell on all those that heard the Word. What about the people who skipped church and were home in their kitchens? They may have made the best pie in the world, but the Holy Ghost didn't fall on them because they weren't under the Word of God. Well, we don't have to go to church anymore because we are the church. Now right back into Latasha again. Get over here. Get over here. Praise God. I mean, come on. Dear Lord, where do people get these ideas? I just don't know where they come up with these doctrines of stuff. Praise God. I want to sit under somebody that knows something. Praise God. I want to learn the Word of God. I want to grow into things of God. I want to get rid of some of my unbelief. I want everything that God has for me. When I go to the cemetery, I don't want to take any of his gifts with me if possible. People walk by and say, well, we had a lot of gifts in there. They're still there, but praise God. Here he is, the one that died and left all his gifts on the inside of him. I don't want that. I want com completely drained of everything that God gave him. He got so, all the spiritual stuff out, he just fell down and died, praise God. They drug him off and threw him in a ditch. That's what we should all want. 
Because there's giftings on the inside of you and 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 you. And what's holding you back? There's got to be something might be holding you back there. Maybe that one thing that happened in your life that you can say, set me back. Let me tell you, we've all had it. It's just a different thing. It's happened in our life that where we say, that's it, I give up, I quit, or the devil keeps you on that spot. You've got to get free. Some things that happen in life are just going to happen in life, and they're not your fault that they happen in life. They just happened. Are you following me? We're here on earth. We're in a kingdom of darkness around us all. If bad things happen to good people. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. But a lot worse things are going to happen to people that are bad. Yep. So don't let anything trap you of what happened. Well, I got divorced, and I just happened to get over it. Get over it, for gosh sakes. Move on. I had this problem. Get over it. Move on. That's yesterday's news. We don't live in yesterday's news. We live in today's news, praise God. Your future is not behind you. It's ahead of you. You can't control your past, but you can control your future. can control your future. Are there things that hit the ministry that you just want to give up and quit sometimes? Every day. <laughs> yeah, if you want to quit. You want to give up and say, that's it. Oh, that's, oh, that's it. That's the, all I can stand. He never gives me more than he can put on me. No, no, things are going to happen in our life, aren't they? But we got a short period of time here, and you don't want to be wasting five years because of what happened five years ago. I'm sorry it happened. I'm sorry it happened in my life and in your life, but you've got to move on, praise God. We ain't got 400 years. You know, some people in the old days lived 600 years. My God, you'd have all kind of time to do whatever you wanted to do. <laughs> Dear Lord, that's a lot of time to do that. But we're not living that long quite anymore. And personally, I don't want to live that long. Praise God. So we want to get everything done right here. Glory to God. All right, go to Acts chapter 5. Yeah, there's an uncomplicated move of God coming. It's going to be a lot easier than everybody else. You're going to have preachers who are moving in the power of the Holy Ghost, and they're going to simply tell you, oh, I want to heal people. I want to lay hands on them. What else? That's it. <laughs> Never forget, I was going to Rodney Howard meetings, man. I'll tell you what, when I got in the anointing there and felt the power of God and saw what was going on and, and got hands laid on me a couple times to increase, and I went in the morning, and I went in the afternoon, and I did whatever I could to get there. And I got there. I said, I'm going to go one morning. I got my morning off. I'm going to go because there's not many people get there, and I'm going to be able to talk to him because there's not many people there. So I got there, and I sat on the front row, and he ministered, and the power of God was everywhere, and it was great. And then he was done, and people going up and talking to him. I don't care if I got to stay here all day. I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to, I'm going to find out the secret. I am going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. Do you understand? I don't care how many people talk to him. And he talked, and after about 45 minutes to an hour, people, Bob, everybody's going, and I could I jumped up and I said, I just want to know, you know, you're operating anointing. I want to do that. I just wanted to tell me, you know, how to do it. And, and I went back and got my pen and notebook. And I said, hey, you got to tell me, you know, how to do this because I want to operate in this. And he said, be faithful. The little guy will give you much. And he walked away. I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, went from an anointed man to this clown. <laughs> Wasted my whole hour sitting here for this divine revelation. And he tells me a scripture. I could have read that myself on my way home, praise God. But I didn't understand what he was telling me. What he was telling me was the key to a lot of things in our life, isn't it? It's the key to many things. All right, Acts chapter 5. Look at verse 12. Acts 5, 12, and by the prayers of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. No, by the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders among the people. All right, go to Acts chapter 8. All right, 
Acts chapter 8, look at verse 14. This is a little bit different. It says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, only they that were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. What was it? There's a transfer of spirits, wasn't there? The Spirit of God on the inside got off upon them on the outside and went through the hands. But how did it do? By the hands that they laid on people. All right, one more scripture to clarify. Go to Psalm 45. Whenever I go over to uh, watch the grandkids, I usually take a pair of shorts and, and, a, and a Warner T-shirt that I wear, and I just wear them to bed every night every time I go over there. And then when I go over the next week, they're washed, and I go back over and do it again or whatever. So I sleep in them for a couple nights. And last week or the week before, I came out of the shower, and Talon saw me wearing the shirt, so she had the shirt on. You know, I mean, hung down on the floor. It was dragging, and her arms were in here, and she was posing in it or whatever. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, wear it all day sister. Wear that, wear that thing to bed if you want to tonight. Wear it as much as you want because I slept in that baby last night and I'm telling you there's something in there probably that you might want to have and need and she's walking around that shirt all day long and I'm making, you know, if you make things fun, they'll do anything. They'll think it's fun, you know. Oh, you look so cute. <laughs> she's going around and but, but if you correct her, then they'll get mad. But I just kept making it a big game, and she'd walk around that shirt, and she'd walk around showing everybody the shirt, and wants me to take another picture, go, tease, tease, that means take a picture. So I took a picture of her, but I don't care if she wore that shirt for the next week, you understand, because I know that there's something probably in that shirt that may affect her life here or there, praise God, hallelujah. All right, Psalm, Psalm 45, look at verse 6. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Say rights. Thou lovest righteousness, hates iniquity. Therefore, God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness. Guess what that is? The anointing above thy fellows. Now look at verse 8. All thy garments smell of myrrh, alloys, cassia, out of ivory palaces, whereby they have met thee glad. Now notice. What's he talking about here? He's talking about, if you go back to Exodus chapter 30, it shows when they were making the holy anointing oil. These were the ingredients that they put in. Remember, oil is a type and shadow of the power of God and the Spirit of God. So that's how they made the holy oil with the cassia, with this stuff. So what's he saying here? That he's walking in righteous, living with God. There's an anointing upon him. It gets off into his garments, and they actually smell like the anointing. Yeah, smell like the anointing. So this anointing can get, get off in anything. It can get off in your clothes and get off in your bed. In the Old Testament, there, there was a guy who, 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 whose son had died, and the prophet went in, and the Bible says he stretched himself on him. Now today, you'd go to jail once again. But he knew he had something, come on, to stretch his body on top of him that would do it and would take care of it. And the guy raised up out of death and breath came back into him. Why? Because many of the Old Testament prophets understood more than the New Testament church. 
There's an anointing on the inside of you. It's the most wonderful thing God could possibly give you. And when he gave you, you got all the power that you need. you got the nature that you need. you got all those things. And the Spirit of God on the inside of you will do what the Bible and the Word of God tells you he will do. If he says he will heal the sick, then bless God, that anointing will heal the sick. Not might, not may, not whatever. So don't think so much about what should I pray, what should I do. Get your hands on some people. Lay your hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Sometimes it's best to show them the scripture first. Say, do you see what it says here? It says, lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. Do you believe that? Well, I might believe that. Well, how are you going to be healed today? I don't know. Well, it says, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Are you going to be healed today? Well, maybe. What's going to happen, and how's it going to happen? I don't know. What's it say here? Lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Do you believe you're going to be healed? Well, I guess I am. Why are you going to be healed? Because when you lay hands on me, I'm going to be healed. Now they're in trouble. They just open the door and bang, you jump right in there, put your hands on them. See, you got them believing something. Do you see what I mean? Rather than, I've been prayed for by the best. Benny Hinn, Copeland, and you, Mr. Karras, think you're going to be able to heal me? No, but I think the power that God gave me is able to heal you if you get on the fat head of unbelief and allow the Spirit of God to do what the Spirit of God wants to do. Just take a look at your hands once. Look at them. Look at them. Aren't they nice? Praise God. They look good, don't they? There's power in them things. Look at them. Power in them suckers. Praise God. You need to walk around today with your hands in your pockets probably because somebody's going to get touched when you grab the check for dinner and bump the waitress's hand. She's going to fall down in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. But leave her a tip. Just because she's on the floor, don't run out. Praise God. I think you saved 20%. Come on now. We're better than that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Praise you, Lord. <laughs> Steve. Hallelujah. All right. Steve, what did you do? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the power you've placed on the inside of us, the anointing that you have given us. We give you all the glory and honor and praise for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for revealing to us your complete will, and we will prove it, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.